Father, I love you. Jesus, you love me. Holy Spirit, you love us. I ask that the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths this morning might be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's been a quite a week with this sermon for me. Uh, been hitting one wall after the next in terms of Usually I get an idea and then it kind of develops to the next stage and then develops to a fuller stage and then I refine it and then I'm pretty good with what I know what, what I want to do. And this week, at every stage, I just slammed into a wall. <laughs> and I'm not really sure why, uh, but, uh, but it's been one of those kind of weeks. But uh, we've ended up here. And what I would like to do this morning is I would like to invite you to have a conversation with me. I know I say that I want questions every time I preach, and I often don't take them or don't get them, but this morning, I'm really planning on this being a conversation. And I know enough of you that, uh, that are my friends, guys at 10 Men Table, and others who will join in if uh, things get too uh, quiet. But we're going to have a conversation here this morning, and I invited some representatives to come and be a part of this conversation. These representatives uh, are experts in their fields, but they rarely, rarely show up in a worship service like this. In fact, I've probably never been in a worship service with either of these representatives in the history of my faith. And so I'm inviting them in, and they are to help us with our conversation and maybe uh, provoke us to conversation in some ways. The, uh, the conversation is going to, I'm going to invite a, another representative too. We're going to put the scripture passage on the board. We're talking about God's plan A, there's no plan B. So the conversation this morning is going to be formed around plan B versus plan A. And in particular, we're going to look at the subject of baptism in terms of plan A, plan B. What those two plans have to say or what you think they might have to say or questions you might have or comments you might have forming around baptism. And we're going to put up Matthew 28 uh, on the board and we'll read through it here. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The next... And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Okay, Chad, we're going to skip back to the verse 19, and I would like to just keep that up there for a while. Perfect. Go, therefore, 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this part of the Great Commission this morning. We're going to have a discussion about this, a conversation about this. So I'd like to introduce the representatives this morning. Um, over here we have, and Randy told me how to say it right, uh, play and pack. I said it wrong. He, he coached me and everything. And then uh, this one's a little bit, this guy's a little shy, but uh, he, and over here, we have a casket. Two sides of the spectrum, two things that couldn't in some ways be more far apart from each other. Although I want to pull this one in a little closer. Okay. So we're going to start a conversation around baptism with these representatives. Somebody throw out a question or a comment to get us going. Where did you get a casket? Well, there's a friend here in the, in the congregation, in the, in the church, who supplies caskets for people that need them. And I don't know if he wants you to say his name or not, because you might just rush over and... But... It wasn't, uh, wasn't easier, but it was easier than I thought. Other, uh, another comment or question? You take it, we're talking about life and death. Good, Dan. Yep, we're talking about life and death. This is a, this is a representative of the beginning of life or new life. And this is a, there's seats right up here in front of the casket, Max. <laughs> And this represents death. This is our representative death, a uh, very uh, big part of death. It's weird because I don't think I've ever wore tennis shoes this close to a cask. I was just thinking, wow, I'm, this is very different context for this. Okay, another comment or question or thought? Everything in between. Yep. This could be called, in some ways, the lifespan. You start here, and you end here. However, the big however, Jesus screwed this up, didn't he? Jesus came and said, maybe you start here in order to get here. Think about that for a second. We normally go this direction and end up on this side. But Jesus comes and says things like, unless you lay down your life, you'll never find it. Other thoughts, questions? Good, Clint. Kurt, <laughs> how is anybody question thought? What do these have to do with baptism? Baptism is the new beginning. What other parts of baptism are there? There's a new beginning in baptism, but what else is in baptism? What what other symbols? When we go down below the water, what's there? 
death. So in a sense, this is only, not only represents our, our, our life and, and, and uh, a life, but also represents what Jesus is calling us to in baptism. If you imagine a baptism, Jesus is, is in some sense, I'm going to mess with the images a little bit, but when you go down under the water, Jesus is asking you to lay down in a coffin, to lay down and die. Death is a part of baptism. You go under the water, it represents, represents death. If the pastor doesn't pull you back up and holds you under, if Ryan were to hold you under, what would happen? Pretty obvious. He'd get fired, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is part of baptism. When you go under the water, it represents your death and that you're uniting yourself with Christ's death. And then when you come out of the water, it represents life, new life in Christ. You, re, you are uniting yourself with Christ in his life. So this is, this is actually one of the images of baptism. We don't think about that often. We usually think of the washing image where you're washing your sins away. You don't go under the water, and when you come up, your sins are washed away and you're forgiven. But baptism also has this image very strongly in the scriptures. In fact, uh, put up the Romans passage, please, Chad. Hopefully I don't have two of them. I do have two of them. Um, put up the Romans 6 passage, please. Oh, you got it. And this is Paul talking with the Romans. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Next verse. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And the next verse says, for if we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So you go into one of these when you die, you go into the ground, but you're born again when you come up again. And in baptism, it's the same thing. You, you're representing your death and you're representing your new life in Christ. Other comments, questions. What does this have to do with the Great Commission? Or who has a, a thought? Does this really creep you out at all? A little bit, right? <laughs> Randy's like, that's going to creep me out. Because it's never in this context. We're always, in some sense, keeping death sanctioned off by itself. We dress up, we put our nice clothes on. We are usually in a mood of mourning, hopefully mostly in a mood of mourning, and we section it off to its own part of life. This one we see more often maybe with our kids or grandkids. Thoughts, questions?
You always go in the Old Testament, don't you? All right. Yeah, the, as far as I know, I mean, you can help me with this, Randy, but it, it, in a sense, it was, it was much more of a symbolism of repentance, of turning, more of a symbolism of cleansing. Uh, when John was in the desert, he invited the people out there, and they, he said, and they were for the, it was a baptism for the repentance of sins. And so it wasn't necessarily seen as death and life because Jesus hasn't, hadn't risen from the dead yet. This whole image doesn't work in the Christian faith until Jesus rises from the dead. Other thoughts? Questions? Just one word. You could throw out a word. No plan B. Okay. Plan B, plan A. Uh, we've talk, been talking about plan A and plan B actually for longer than you think. Remember the series on people of the future? That was about plan A and plan B. Remember the series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount? That was about plan A and plan B. So we've actually been talking about this probably farther back than you think. You've got to have some thoughts about what coming to church in this kind of setting. Ryan even said last week, maybe some of what we do here is not plan A. Maybe it's plan B and we need to die to some of this. I mean, see how hard it is for us to have a conversation. Because you just don't do that in church. I mean, no one asks you to speak out and participate in the sermon. It's just awkward. Yeah, how has sin has gotten in the way of us living plan B, plan A, and so we're kind of sliding into to plan B, and and that this is all about as well about dying to that sin. So in some ways, God is asking us to die to plan B, put down and let go of things and put things here. That, that get in the way of plan A, of life. And, I mean, the garden and the Adam and Eve and all of this represents life. And, and we, sin, kind of screwed this side up and made this side more important. But Jesus comes and says, let's not wait to die. Let's not wait till the end of our lives to deal with this. Let's allow this to come into our life so that we can get away from it and get to, to this. And if you're listening on the pod sermon or whatever, um, you're not <laughs> you're gonna miss out on a lot of these images. So <laughs> this and this, you have no idea what I'm pointing to. I'll try to. So plan B is about it has come about because we're weak, right? We're, in what ways are we weak in terms of 
Go ahead and put Matthew 28 back up there, please, Chad. In what ways are we weak in terms of what Jesus is talking about here? Uh, go make disciples of all nations. Weak in the verbs. We're probably strong. I would imagine even this group, really a lot of smart people in this group, we're probably strong in knowledge and knowing what to do, but connecting it with actually living out these verbs is, is harder for us, I would imagine. What gets in your way? What gets in the way of, of plan A for you versus plan B? What? The word go. The word go. Yeah. We're all, we've got so much stuff holding us back. We've got our houses, our families, our jobs. What does go mean to us? With the disciples, they had none, none of that. They did have families, but they had no, nothing to hold them back in terms of things. What does that mean for us, go? It's a good question. Yes, Wes. Selfishness gets in the way. We start thinking about ourselves. If there's one thing the gospel is about, it's about thinking of others, right? But somehow we keep coming back to ourselves and saying, well, I can't do that because I, I, I need to stay here. Like, remember the people that came to Jesus when he said, and they said, I want to follow you, Jesus. And, and Jesus said, come on, let's go. And the guy said, well, let me go bury my father first. That's a tough passage. Jesus says, let the dead bury the, their own dead. Wow. You come follow me. Yeah, selfishness. Or the guy who came and said, I'll follow you, but I got to sell my oxen first. Or I've got to go settle my affairs first. I just noticed my grandkids are in here. <laughs> you guys are seeing the... All your playpen and the coffin and stuff. Wow. There's going to be a lot of questions for this one. Some of the things that get in our way is, is it, let me talk about one thing that I think gets in the way between plan A and plan B, is we try to confine, when it comes to baptism and a lot of things in the church, we try to confine them in a space or in a time. So if you, how many people here have been baptized? Okay, if you've been baptized, you could remember the day that that happened, right? You remember the day, you remember what happened. Unless you were baptized as a baby, then you wouldn't remember that. But most of us can, a lot of us can remember that, but we think of that's the day of our baptism. And so we put it at a certain point in time, at a certain celebration, and a certain meaning. But baptism in plan A is actually something you live out through your whole life. So in plan A, baptism starts with going under the water or having water poured on your head and then continues until you reach the kingdom. That's the difference between plan A and plan B. In plan B, it's a one-day thing. 
And some of us think it's, uh, I've got to get baptized to make sure I'm going to heaven. Whereas Jesus, uh, baptism's all about the journey and the, this whole thing, this whole life is about baptism. Dying every day. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. He who wishes to save his life will lose it. Other thoughts, questions? Mm -hmm. Right. Good, Eric. Yeah. So plan B gets in the way. What you're saying is plan B gets in the way of plan A sometimes. And think about it. For a lot of us, all of our lives, we've been doing church this way. In different contexts, maybe you sat in pews and sang hymns as opposed to chairs and sang worship songs. But a lot of times, this is... This is the way we've done plan B. And now in thinking about plan A and getting to discipleship and, and making a, it a whole lifestyle, it's hard to connect the two. It's like, okay, I'm here for an hour or two on Sunday morning, but what does it mean for me in connection with these people and connection with this message the rest of the week, the rest of my life? What does that mean for me? One of the things it means is that baptism is a daily pursuit. So God calls us daily to think about the things that are in the way of plan A, in the way of the kingdom, in the way of our life, and die to them. To put them in the casket in the beginning of the day and throughout the day. And he also, in plan A, calls us to think about who we're going to be when the kingdom of God comes, to think about who we have become because Christ is in our lives, how amazing the creatures we will be when, the, when that time comes. And so this is a daily dance between dying to the world, to, the, to our flesh, to our sins, to you name it, and being raised to the kingdom, to righteousness, to all of the good things God has for us. Other thoughts or clarifications or questions? Yeah. How do we ask others to die? Actually, we let Jesus ask them to die. Yeah. You can't just ask someone to die. <laughs> I can get up here and preach and suggest it to you all. But in the end, it's between the Holy Spirit and that person where they're called to die and where they're called to live. 
Our job is to just not contain it. Let Baptism is actually like a wildfire. You know, and you hear on the news, the wildfire has been 70% contained. But that can't be the way it is with baptism. So we contain it in a building. We contain it within a a time. We contain it uh, within theology. We are containing all the time. When I was uh, a pastor in Nevada, um, I did a baptism of a couple kids that lived next door to to the church building. And one of the elders, uh, a dear old woman uh, that I love, she was assisting me in the baptism. And, and I was Presbyterian pastor. And we Presbyterians uh, sprinkle rather than dunk, uh, as you call it. So we were up there, and I had the water. I had this bowl of water. And, and I, you know, I don't like to just put a little bit. I want to really let it just flow. So I go up, and I grab just as much water as I can get in my hands. And I pour it onto Albert's head, and it goes crashing down his head. And 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 Betty, Betty, God bless her heart, uh, rushes in and is thinking about the carpet. <laughs> and she rushes in and tries to grab the water as it's falling off of Albert. And I can understand she was like thinking of other things, but we kind of do that with baptism in the church. We. We confine it so much that we don't let it burn wild and free. Uh, and part of burning wild is dying to those things that confine the gospel. Other thoughts? Yes, in the back. Say that last part again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so our efforts, our way of trying to get at winning in this game is, is plan B, and the law is a very good example of that. And plan A is freedom. Plan A is life. But it's too scary. We've got to have some boundaries. And, 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 and Jesus and Paul talk about boundaries in, early, in your early Christian life. Uh, but I hate to say this, that I have met Christians who are older and been in the church for 40 or 50 years, and they're still playing in here. It's very awkward. They stopped growing at some point in their new life, and they're happy with this. But we as a church, in seeking plan A, we're saying, okay, plan B is the way it is. It's not working so well, but we would like to push on to plan A. We would like to take away the confinement and let the fire burn more broadly. It's a scary thing, right? I'm scared of it. What is this going to look like? What does it mean for people's lives? It means a lot of this. Dying to allegiances. Dying to allegiances to our jobs. Dying to allegiances to our countries. Dying to to allegiances that we have in, in our families in some ways. If Go back to... Uh, yeah, that's the one. 
Notice how this says, go and make disciples of all nations. Immediately, Jesus blows up nationalism. Says, you know, we're going to be a group that encompasses the whole world and all nations. So at some point, your nation means is got to mean less to you than God's kingdom means to you. And that's where the Holy Spirit has to tell you where to die in that. I'm, right? Yeah, I'm not going to. Barrett's right. I'm going to leave that out there. What about family? Family first. Family is so important. It's a good thing. But Jesus says, who are my brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers? They're the people who do the will of God. So family gets a little bit blown up or a lot blown up by Jesus. means we have to go back here and ask ourselves, what in my conception and life with family do I need to die to? And what do I need to rise to? There's so many things. And that's the thing with plan B. It's, it's got to be a group effort. Notice how I'm trying to get us to have a conversation, and we're doing pretty good. But we're still not anywhere near what a, a real vibrant conversation with all of us going back and forth and talking to each other would be like. It's a start. And that's when we move from plan B to plan A, In baptism and in discipleship, um, it takes practice. Go ahead, Gary. Yep. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. However, it, it does sound like a lot of work. And the, the, the mix with Christian, with the, with the gospel is, it involves effort and it also involves grace. So when Jesus, when Paul says, you've been saved, but he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a, almost like a contradiction. You're saved by grace. Now go work out your salvation. That's the tension. That's the tension in our in our under in, in plan A and plan B. Plan A involves both work and grace. Plan B twists both of those things. Either it's all about grace and you don't have to do a thing, get baptized, you got your ticket to heaven, or it's all about works. Uh, it's all about works and the law and working your way toward the kingdom of God. But plan A has those mixed and intertwined and in tension with each other constantly, and you go back and forth. It is a lot of work. It's also a lot of grace. I don't even know, just a second. Uh, I don't know what time it is. How much longer, Ryan? I'm past, aren't I? Okay, five minutes. Okay. I was 
Right. I think uh, I want to, I, I think plan A is us joining Christ in the work. And plan B is us either doing the work or expecting Christ to do all the work rather than joining with him. Uh, a good image for this would be back in my day in the 70s, and we had a song from the 70s this morning. This so, uh, took me flashback, but... Uh, and I'm sure, Kelly, you remember that song too, right? But uh, in the 70s, when I became a Christian, they said, Why don't you, we want you to invite Jesus into your life. That's plan B. The real thing is, Jesus invites us into his life. That's plan A. And that involves lots of things. Yes, it's awkward. It's really hard because it takes, there's a lot of effort involved in plan A. Yes, and not in the works you do. I'm going to put one last verse up here from Mark 10, I think it is, Chad. Um, just it kind of contrasts and talks about that effort part of it. So two of the disciples come to Jesus and say, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand when you come into your kingdom. We want you to grant that to us. And they, ah, that's what this is. And so what's the next verse? So Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Notice this is in the present tense. I am baptized. This is a thing that lasts through your whole life. Jesus and the baptism Jesus is talking about here is not the baptism by John the Baptist. He is, he is baptized. He's talking about his death, his suffering, and his death. He's saying it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Can you do the hard thing I'm doing? So there's something in the Christian life that is hard. I have a question, one last question back here. Johnny. Tell your mom, and then she can tell, yell it out to me. <laughs> what is baptism? I'm hoping that I would have answered some of that this morning. Baptism is not a point, but a lifestyle. Baptism is not a place, but a whole world. Baptism is big. Plan B makes it small. Good, good conversation. Pray that the Holy Spirit has moved in this and will cause all of you to have conversations with each other about 
what this means. Baptism works, discipleship, grace, plan A, plan B.